Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Today, we're joined by a president and COO of AASA, the Automotive Aftermarket Suppliers Association. AASA's mission is to advance the aftermarket industry and the business interests of its members and its vision to support a high growth, profitable, innovative, and influential aftermarket supplier industry. Paul McCarthy, everyone. Paul, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, believe me. So I know we just wrapped up the AASA Global Summit. What are some of the key takeaways or something that somebody should know that wasn't able to attend? Well, uh, first, that you, you missed a great conference. It was probably our best global summit ever. That is one of the ironic virtues of being virtual, which is everybody can make time. The people you want to hear, the experts you want to hear, uh, it's pretty easy for them to dial in for something and have those conversations with folks. But uh, some of the big takeaways we heard is it's fascinating how this recovery from the pandemic is playing out in very different ways in very different parts of the world. Obviously, we're a very global industry in the aftermarket, have a tremendous amount of global opportunities, but it's a very complex picture about how this is playing out in different world, uh, different countries, and what that means for the aftermarket outlook. And, uh, you know, it's just one example where obviously our cases are improving, and, and that's great, but you look at Australia, you know, they just past two weeks without a positive case. So they're in a very different situation. Other parts of the world are, you know, they're not thinking about a vaccine until 2022. And, and that leads to a very different situation. So uh, a lot of different stories. Another big one was global trade. We know the rules of the game are very different than they were the last couple of different generations. They're very different than they were five years ago. And that's creating an awful lot of complexity and opportunity for aftermarket players to to make sure they have that right sales and production footprint to take advantage of the whole, you know, 1.4 billion vehicles that we have around the world and all that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. We shift and adapt and everything so quickly, but I think COVID has really put uh, the pedal to the metal, for lack of a better expression, in terms of having to adapt. Yes, well put. I mean, a lot of the trends that we've seen, we've talked about this, have just accelerated those trends. Maybe not new trends in many cases, but just accelerated. Where we might have been five years from now, it's happening now. The other interesting dynamic that we've heard is coming into this pandemic, a lot of people said, oh my gosh, is the market going to be smaller coming out of it? And one of the things when we look at these global opportunities is is this potential that we could come out of this pandemic with behavior changes that could lead to an increase in our potential market size in the global aftermarket. So, you know, around the world, we've seen and we heard speakers talk about this interest in used cars, this interest in private transport over public transportation around the world. We cited a recent global consumer survey that 32% of consumers are expecting to travel more frequently by private car post-pandemic. 40% are expecting to fly less. A third are expecting to use public transportation less. So we have this, this funny thing where we know that one of the big trends was you know working from home. So commuting to jobs may be less, 
But this broader interest in automobility and and lives shaped around the freedom and safety that the car brings, that may be even greater. I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And even just addressing the aftermarket too, I think a lot of Mm -hmm. people had a lot of forced efficiencies kind of dropped on them. So like you said, I think we, a lot of people may actually come out of this, maybe not better in the short term, but certainly better for the long term. Yeah, that's well said. It was, it was a tough business year, but you know, we're usually the stable industry, but if you can survive and thrive in a year like the last year we've had, you might be pretty well positioned for what comes next. And and we've heard that word, everybody say it, that the, the business word of the last year was flexibility. And I think it's it's made all of us better. It has made us more flexible, more agile, more ready to adapt to a world that does seem to keep shifting on us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So which we were just talking about, you know, sort of the different timelines that the vaccine is rolling out. Now, during the global summit, you had a guest speaker, Dr. Parker Hudson, and he was discussing some of what is going to take place in the aftermarket with a continued rollout. Now, can you expand, give some thoughts, or just elaborate in any way some of, some of his findings? Sure. He was he was a fantastic speaker, and I think it was reassuring to everyone just to hear that expertise, to better understand what's going on. Uh, a couple of takeaways we have, and I'll just mention some of the things that people ask questions about. One of the questions was which vaccine to take, and his answer was whatever's available. All are helpful, and we're just trying to get towards this herd immunity. So if one's out there, then take it. Another piece of positive news, which address some of the concerns we've been hearing from folks about these variants that are out there, and whether that means that, you know, the vaccine gave us a light at the end of the tunnel. And the question was, were the variants going to put that at risk? And one of the things he pointed out is that, yes, some of these vaccines are less effective at uh, preventing the spread of COVID with the new variants like in South Africa. But they all the vaccine seem to be successful at preventing COVID, even if you caught it, from becoming severe or fatal. And that was pretty reassuring to hear. We, he mentioned we have risk for future variants with so many cases, but it really does change our world if all of a sudden this this risk of death is taken off the table and you know our at-risk folks are safe. So his conclusion, and he said it about four times, was please get the vaccine. Yeah, and even with the minimization of symptoms, I mean, including mm-hmm. fatalities, I mean, it really does become like a flu. And I know a lot of people have been saying it's just like a flu to begin with, but I mean, I think in a true sense, it, we could minimize the symptoms enough where it just does become a flu and we are able to fully open back up and just live with, I mean, there's always going to be a certain amount of risk and a certain amount of, you know, disease that will cross your path. That's unavoidable. Exactly. I mean, this disease, it sounds like it's going to be with us for a long time, but what we hear from everybody, especially on the business side is how do we get back to some semblance of normal, whether you want to call it the new normal, the next normal, or just as good as it can get, how do we get there? And his key thing was let's take all those vaccines and that'll give us the best chance and a good chance according to his statistics, I'll get into that and, and getting back to something that resembles our lives. I, th- I, think, I think we're all very much looking forward to that. Yes. So I know AASA's so, Vision Conference is coming up uh, March 16th to 18th. So for anybody who hasn't registered yet or who hasn't been before, why should they go? What's going to be covered and what can we look forward to? Well, Vision really is the premier industry executive event and it is about looking at the big problems we face now and looking forward having that vision into the future and what do our strategies need to be ready for and we have probably our strongest agenda ever 
which is important because again it's virtual this year we can't be in person and in the amazing network we networking we usually have but we are very proud to have our what's always a highlight the customer keynote we have greg johnson who is CEO of O'Reilly, which has been extremely successful of late. And Greg is not one to pull punches. He and I have talked, and he wants to share some of the changes he's seeing and what customers will need from suppliers to succeed going forward and and what he sees going forward in the aftermarket. So we're, we're very excited to have Greg. We also have two new landmark studies that we unveil. This is something we've been doing for a number of years of, of having a study, a piece of thought leadership for vision. And we actually have two this year. Because there's been a lot of talk about these issues in the aftermarket. So the first is about electrification and to a lesser extent, ADOS. We've, we've seen all these headlines about this move toward electric vehicles. You know, GM's big announcement, Tesla's stock price. We've been seeing it around the world. So we're going to take a fresh look at what electrification will mean for the aftermarket. How long a tail we'll have for our existing businesses, which we think is pretty significant because we sell to the vehicle part. But what are some of the new opportunities coming out of vehicle electrification? You know, we'll see. Hopefully some reassurance on, uh, you know, continued market opportunities and growth for the industry. Do you want me to mention the second landmark study? I would love to, yeah. You've heard a lot of talk about this, about access to data, you know, protecting consumer choice in vehicle repair and maintenance. And we're going to win that battle, or better put, I think consumers and free market principles will win. The aftermarket will get access to appropriate vehicle repair data and information coming off the vehicle. But let's assume, and it's not far away, that we're living in the telematics world. What are the opportunities? What are the shifts in the business model for suppliers and for the aftermarket um, that are going to come out of this data access? How will that change how we serve our customers and how the, the supply chain needs to respond? And uh, that's what we're going to look at and you know how companies can take advantage of it. Well, those are two really, really great studies. I think it's going to generate a lot of interest. And I mean, I can't really imagine a supplier out there you know, who couldn't take advantage of that knowledge. Well, we hope so. And, uh, you know, the best thing is always still being together. And uh, there's often a lot of fun chat and there's a lot of Q&A of the folks speaking and everything to make it make it dynamic and make sure that people get their questions answered. Because we have been extraordinarily resilient and successful given all these changes. But the amount of change and shifts as you look towards the future for our sleepy little industry, there's a lot of things. And we think they're opportunity, but we need to be ahead of the curve and make sure we're ready for them to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. And your studies, electrification, telematics, that's a very good long term outlook. Is there anything that AASA is predicting for 2021 in terms specifically of the recovery we're looking at in terms of, you know, reopening in terms of supply chains getting back on track? Well, that's a great point. And actually, we have some of that at Vision too. We have a session we call the Three Dragons, three different outlooks, like an industry forecaster, a, a Wall Street guy and an economist look at sort of what we should expect. Those will be the real experts talking about it. But when we look at 2021, I think we're cautiously optimistic. I mean, demand has been surprisingly solid. Our industry has been surprisingly resilient through all of this. Uh, it's really a heck of an accomplishment. It speaks to the essential nature of the aftermarket to American consumers. We hope this year will be a little bit better than what we saw in 2019. It's been nice, frankly. We've had some cold weather of late, good aftermarket weather in the, in the near term. But there's no doubt there's still some uncertainty this year. But what we've seen, and we saw it last year, that fundamentally, if consumers can spend, the aftermarket tends to do okay. 
we, we certainly need to make sure people are working and that that grows. But uh, reasons to be cautiously optimistic this year. We still think there's going to be some noise. You talked about the supply chain disruption. That's been very difficult for us over the last year. And we're hoping some of that will get nor- more normalized. And then as we look forward is some of those structural changes where we have we may have some bumps in the road. But we look back five years from now and say, coming out of this, we structurally have a little bit bigger market than we would have had otherwise, given how people have changed their lives as a result of this pandemic and how it's changed how we look at things. So second last question for you. Is there any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to touch on? This issue of access to data needs to be mentioned. I mean, this is about the future of the aftermarket. And more importantly, it's about fundamental principles. This really is about fighting for consumer choice on where and with what parts they get their vehicles repaired. It's about sustaining this competitive market that have served consumers so well. And by the way, has, um, you know, it's kind of silly the industry is arguing about this because everybody knows we need the aftermarket. It's where the capacity is. It's how OEs need to protect their resale values and their brand values. So ultimately, we do think, you know, free markets and consumers will win out. We'll get this access to data, but it's not just going to happen. People need to take action. The industry needs to be speak up and have their voice be heard. You know, there's there's efforts across North America. There's efforts in Canada. There's efforts in the U.S. with a new federal bill to try to get, you know, national rules, a national solution that brings this. You know, we've been proud to partner uh, with our friends in the collision industry and their coalition to partner with Auto Care, to partner with AIA Canada and others to try to bring this about. And the one thing I will say is it will take members. It will take members talking to their representatives, helping them understand and be educated about why this matters to consumers. And then the last thing I'll mention is diversity and inclusion. We know as an industry, we're struggling to get the the people we need to succeed as an industry. And, And we need to make sure that we attract the best people, period. Our organization, and our partner organizations are doing a, a DE&I event to help our suppliers and our businesses better understand this uh, next month, you know, how they can approach that from a corporate standpoint. So obviously being in our industry, you, you know, you got to love cars. What's your all-time favorite vehicle? I love the old BMW sports sedans. I had uh, my first car was one that I, I tried to fix up and keep running intermittently. I still have a weakness for the old Detroit Metal. I used to have a 57 Ford. Oh. My other, my other car that I would fix up and, and keep on the road. And there's nothing like your arm out the window on a, on a blue highway just driving around in, in an old Detroit Metal. So... This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.